<laughs> I'm getting more locks on our doors. <laughs> I'm going to lock up the greenhouse. No. Now, it's really great to be here. I haven't been here for a long time. And it's really lovely to see you and see some old faces and some new faces and get to meet um, you. And uh, you probably, if you know us, you know we have two kids, Sammy and Noah. And Sammy's actually moved out of the house. We thought we were going to be empty nesters because Noah went to America. And he said, I'm going to stay there for a year. And uh, we're like, yes. <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> but um, he ended up coming back after three months. He's like, okay, I'm ready to get on with life, you know. And, uh, but Sammy's doing uh, marine biology in Warrnambool. And sad, she just moved. We really miss her and love her. And, um, but she's just going to crush it. She's going to save the earth in her own way. <laughs> She's always been a bit natural, so, yeah, it's lovely. She's going to uh, do that degree down there, and then Noah's just started at ACU to do primary teaching. Hmm, I know, what a shock. Don't be shocked. <laughs> he wanted to be in the NBA, so this is a bit of a, you know, a sidetrack, I think, but I think it'll serve him better. Um, yeah, so that's our little family, and uh, look, it's just great to be here with you, and uh, when I, as soon as I went to pray for you, do you know the Lord spoke a word, and it was beloved. You are, as a body, his beloved. And I think that's specific for you, and I, I really believe that there's, there's just a tenderness in the heart of God for each one of you. Um, and every time he thinks of you, every time he looks at you, every time you meet, he says, they're my beloved. And I'm going to speak to you in that kind of a tone today because that's who you are. You're God's beloved. And he, he loves you. He thinks about you. He's with you. Um, when you meet, it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity. Never take for granted every time you meet. The Holy Spirit wants to do something special every time you gather together. Um, you know, we just had another guy leave our church in Bacchus. We have two churches. So we have Rise Church and we have another church in Bacchus that's Rise as well. And um, we just had a guy leave and said, oh, you know, we want to do this home church thing. And, but the thing is, and they, they think it's the right model and all that stuff. And you probably heard people talk about that. What's the right model? But can I tell you, there's no model for church. The church is people. Church is people. And we don't need less gatherings. We need more gatherings. So what we've been trying to do in our churches is get people to gather in big numbers as much as we can. And now we love big numbers because we're not allowed to do it, so we just want to rebel. <laughs> Isn't it good? <laughs> I just want to rebel and do it. <laughs> you know, let's gather thousands of people. No, I don't really. If Daniel Anders, you're listening to this, it's just a joke. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we need more church, don't we? Not less. We need more of God, not less. We need more rubbing against each other's shoulders, not less, because we rub off the rough spots, don't we? We definitely need each other so much, so much. And um, so, you know, my message to people who say that is just, you know what? Whatever you do, go off, find yourself, whatever you need to do. <laughs> find what you think is the best model, because we've been through that too. We've been through that searching right? Find the best model, but then come back to people. Just wherever you are, just meet with people, whether it's the people on your street. You, you know, every one of us should be a house on our street. We should be the, the uh, sorry, a house on our street, a church on our street. <laughs> you know what I meant, didn't you? 
we need to be the church on our street. That's not really my message <laughs> at all. Okay. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about two things today, the importance of your faith, the importance of believing, and the importance of testing what you believe. The importance of testing what you believe. Um, when I was ministering in Russia, I had this interesting experience because as a young person, I was very... Oh, I was so passionate about everything, you know, not that I'm not passionate now, but there's a little bit of tempered with wisdom, right, which is great, I love being older, it's just so awesome, um, so I, I was in Russia, and we were, it was after the coup in 1992, and we were distributing Bibles to people, I'm serious, this is crazy, they hadn't had Bibles for, I think it was 77 years, they were not allowed to have Bibles, and, you know, I'm going to tell you, that created such a hunger. There was such hunger there. We didn't have enough. So we started getting um, crate loads and crate loads and trains. We got the trains to bring in Bibles. And all over Moscow, we would just walk around and just pass out Bibles. And people, seriously, the response was like this. It was like, oh, they'd read it. Oh, those baby have, you know, and they just like this, put it under their coat. Because, you know, it used to be a criminal offense to have a Bible. They would be arrested and put in prison, and they would just cry. They would cry and cry and cry. And they would just, some of them would take it and just run. <laughs> and we're like, this is really weird. But after a while, someone explained to us why they do that. Because they want to hide it somewhere safe so they can read it. There was such a hunger for the Word of God. And um, you know what? That's what we need now. We need hunger. Um, and... I've been discouraged, you know, kind of a little bit, because I look at our situation in the West, churches, we have a lot of space, well, plenty of space to space out in COVID, where are the people, where is the hunger, you know, and, but I want to encourage you, our, our, my national leader sent out this little note the other day, and he said, because we've been talking about 2019 and 2020, and everything that's happened, and he said, a friend who ministers in Asia actually told him that last year was their best year in, in a long time. And, and this is only one part of Asia. 615,000 people came to Christ. 23,000 churches were planted. The church of Jesus Christ is not dead. It's even more alive. So the, the problem we have in, in the West is that there's no hunger. Because we're rich. We have everything we want. People didn't feel like they needed people during COVID because they had their TVs, they had entertainment. You know, it was only near the end that people started thinking there's a deficit here. Blah. You know, it's like the quails, you know, in, in the Israelites, Jesus, he, he, God said, I'll send you, they want to meet. And he sent them quails and they had too much then and they gorged themselves. It's like that. But you know what? There's no hunger here. That's why. It's only Western countries that, that the gospel is struggling. Because there's no hunger. Isn't that sad? But you know what? You have the power within your hand to pray for hunger. You have the power in your hand to salt the oats, as I like to say. Get people hungry around you. Pray the Holy Spirit will stir up that hunger in people. So when I was in Russia, I saw that amazing hunger. I've never experienced anything quite like it. It was overwhelming. 
And we didn't want to do anything else. All day, eight hours a day, we were handing out Bibles, just giving out Bibles, <laughs> talking to people and, and as much Russian as we knew, just telling them Jesus loved them, you know, quoting the few scriptures that we memorized and, you know, trying to connect with them. And it was awesome. But one night, so we were, I was with a team of about 50 people. We were living there. We were living in a hotel because that was the only place we could find to live. And um, one night I decided, because we were matched up, we were single single girls and single guys. We were matched up with each other, and so the guy could, like, chaperone the girl, right? And I, like, did not like my chaperone, okay? My chaperone was not on my time schedule, and that really bothered me. So one night I decided, because it's a big hotel, it was for our protection because there was a lot going on there, you know, with mafia and people with guns, and, you know. So one night, instead of him walking me to my room, as we all did at the same time after debriefing, I decided, because he was chatting with friends, I'll just leave. I'll just go up the elevator myself, go back to my room. It won't matter. It's all okay, right? So I get in the elevator. Nobody's in there. It's all good. Got my stuff. And then the door opens, and these four big Russian blokes get in the elevator, right? And they're staying in the hotel as well, and we kind of greet each other, and I say my little bit of Russian that I know, and, you know, and they know English, so they're kind of talking to me, and they're like, oh, what are you guys doing here? And I said, well, we're here to tell people about Jesus, you know, like youth. <laughs> I was like, just real open about, it. you know, do you know the Lord? <laughs> you know, we're here to bring Bibles, and, you know, do you guys have Bibles? And they're like, oh, no, we were... And they were really interested. They wanted to know about what I was talking about. They wanted to know about the gospel. And so I was like, okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything you want to know. I, you know, oh, this is great. And I was thinking, these guys, you know, they want to know. So they're like, well, why don't you come up to our room with us, and we'll tell you the gospel, right? <laughs> I'm like in my early 20s. I was super naive. I'm like, oh, good. this is awesome. I'm thinking in my mind, this is an awesome opportunity, you know, to share with these guys. I'm going to win them to the Lord, you know. So, <laughs> um, so I went up to their room, and their room was the penthouse. It was huge, sweet. And in Russia, everything's beautiful, like the penthouses. And the, they're just beautiful. I can't even describe them to you, like, you know, gold on the walls. and It's like, you know, anyway, it was amazing. I didn't even think twice about what I was doing. Anyway, so we talked and talked and talked. I talked from Genesis to Revelation. They wanted to know everything. They asked me about everything. And then they said, but how do you really know that that's true? And I'm like, well, didn't you just listen to what I said? Like, I just spelt it out for them. You know, how hard can it be, guys? Like, come on, fellows. Jesus died on the cross. Wait, okay, you remember I said you were created by God first. And I told them the whole thing again and again and again. And they kept saying, but how do you know for sure? And they just kept pounding me. How do you know for sure? How do you know that that's right? How do you know that that's true? How do you know the Bible is true? And I just said, in the end, I started feeling agitated. And I'm like, well, I just know it, okay? <laughs> I just know it's true. And I just remember I was sitting on the chair, and these, like, four other blokes were standing around me, you know, one sitting, some with, you know, and they had their vodka and all that. And I'm like, I just know it's true. I'm totally convinced it's true. And that's before I knew anything about apologetics. Like, there's actually ways you can prove your faith. You know that? Like, I didn't know that. Like, oh, I could have, like, shown them some science or, you know, some credibility of the authenticity of the word of God or something really smart. No, I just sat there and said, but I know it's true because I believe it. 
That's all I knew. And about that time, I started feeling a little bit anxious that I might be in a bad situation. So I said, well, fellas, it's been good talking to you. And because I was thinking, I actually have put myself in a dangerous situation here. Nobody knows where I am. And uh, I just got up and I said, that's all I have to say to you tonight. Thank you for listening. And um, maybe we can catch up later on. And I thought, I'm just going to bolt for that door. <laughs> I'm running for the door. I'm talking to him. I'm pushing the elevator button. <laughs> I just got to get out of here. And they're like, wait, don't go. They gave me all these gifts, you know, like put scarves around me and hand me all these things. And I'm like, oh, no, criminal. So I just got to get out of here. So I went down, and my whole team was scouring the building looking for me because I didn't even know. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, and they thought I'd been abducted. Is that the right word? Abducted? I wasn't abductive. But that day, that really just shook my faith, you know. I thought, do I really believe all that? How do I know that it's true? They put that question in my mind, you know. How do you know it's true? How do you know? God created you? How do you know that, you know, Jesus died on the cross? How do you know that that's the only way to life? How do you know that you're going to live forever? How do you know that it's not just matter? It's really important what you believe, but it's even more important to hold on to your faith, to hold on to what you believe, even when you're not sure, even when you're not sure. Beloved, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. Now I know how to defend my faith. I could defend it up one side and down the other. I could talk to Russians, Asians, anyone. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can do it because I've learned, I've grown, I've become mature. But you know what? The bottom line is I still believe it. I still believe it. Do you know there's a, there's a reason why we want to keep our faith? And um, it's in revelations and because there's rewards there's rewards and even though it's hard now and some of you I just feel like some of you feel like you're really exposed right now and do you know what I just want to tell you just think of that word that I called you from God you're the beloved you're not exposed God is covering you God is your covering okay so if you feel exposed in life I want you to think of my words you are his beloved okay make that help that I hope that makes you feel secure. Um, John, Second uh, John one eight says, "Look to yourselves that we don't lose the things we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward." Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, don't receive him into your house. Don't greet him, for he who greets him who shares in shares in his evil deeds now what john was talking about was there was actually people who were christians who turned away from the faith they lost their faith and they were saying things like jesus didn't actually come in the flesh they were it, i don't know if you know about docetism and, and gnosticism it was an early form of that jesus didn't actually have a fleshly body but, you know, if you bring that, if you, you think about that all the way to its in conclusion, you realize that that means, what, why do we share communion if he didn't have a fleshly body? If his body wasn't broken for you and his blood wasn't poured out, the mission, well, why should you share communion then? It actually erodes the, the bottom of the faith. So John was saying, don't believe and don't even, don't even shake their hand, don't even fellowship with them because they'll turn you. 
it'll turn you. It's a watering down of, of the preciousness of the cross and who God is. We are so easily deceived, aren't we? We're easily deceived. And he was saying, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. This went against the apostolic teaching. This went against what Jesus taught. So he was trying to deal with the things that were undermining uh, faith. So Revelation 22 says this. I love Revelation. You probably do too. Verse 12, So behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they might have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter through the gates of the city. But outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. It's easy to recognize immorality, isn't it? And, you know, (laughs) things like murder, things like that that are in these other lists. But look at this last line. Those who love and practice a lie. Easy to overlook that, isn't it? But I reckon this is probably harder for us today is that it's so easy for us to get deceived. It's so easy for us to live a lie. Look at this parable that Jesus gave. Um, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the ones who knew God's word, right? They were the ones who had the Torah. They already had the revealed word of God. But here are the Pharisees. He's saying to them, uh, this thing, and it's in Luke 16, 19 through 30. I'm just going to summarize it because it's too long. Um, it's about the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember that parable? Yeah? And so the rich man had everything. It said he just had lots of clothes, and he, he ate sumptuously. He ate a lot of food. Steak, you know, goat, whatever it was, goat cheese, all that stuff. He ate anything he wanted. But Lazarus was at his gate And he just wanted some crumbs from his table. That's all he wanted. He had nothing. He was so poor. He was so sick. He had sores all over his body. He couldn't even sit there in comfort. He he just was hungry. And so Lazarus dies. And it says in there, Jesus says, he gets carried into Abraham's bosom. Now, because it doesn't say much about Lazarus. It just says that it's interesting that Jesus uses a real name when he's telling a parable. That's just interesting to me. But it doesn't say much about him. It just says that he was poor. And when he died, he was taken into Abraham's bosom. Now, that's a picture of faith because Abraham was the father of faith. And so they're telling us that he believed. He believed because he was uh, taken into Abraham's bosom. So the rich man, it says he was in Hades. And he said, this is what he said. He said, he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so he may dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you is a great gulf fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to there cannot. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said this, and this is an incredible statement. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes from the dead, they will repent. 
But he said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Moses and the prophets were the greatest evidence of truth to them, and they'd already refused him. So Jesus is saying, why are you going to believe if you see a sign? And we know that Jesus was talking about his own resurrection. He's like, I'm the one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise from the dead, but you're not even going to believe it then. And so I'm actually going to do that sign that you asked for, but you're still not going to believe it. You're actually the ones who are going to nail me to the cross. Like he knew that, and he said this parable to them because he knew um, where their hearts were at. They had the full truth, but they were living a lie. Isn't it easy to do? It's really easy to do. We're in the top 3% richest people in the world. If you've got any coins, spare coins, that offering, I was like, I'm not even carrying cash. <laughs> I had to empty my thing. You know, we're the top 3% richest people in the world. Um, you know, all we want is something new, something novel. You know, <laughs> instead of believing what Jesus has already given to us, even in the church, we're looking for some new revelation, something to come to us. But you know what? Jesus has already done it. We've got the biggest revelation we can ever get. Someone who died for us in our place to cover us so that we wouldn't feel exposed. And everyone who gets drawn away by these different deceptions. I want to give you some real keys into how to test what you believe. Because I think it's really important for us. We got the internet now, so we've got all knowledge at our fingers, don't we? So it's crazy. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Like, I feel overwhelmed. Like, when I was a kid, I only remember hearing of two terrorist things ever. And my parents, like, they were like, oh, you shouldn't listen to this. Where they turned off the news. It was the Pan Am. Remember that? The Pan Am flight, 103 or whatever. And um, so many people were killed because of that. And that was a shock to me as a child. The other thing I remember as a child being exposed to was the famine in Ethiopia. Do you remember that? A million people died from famine. That was a huge humanitarian crisis. I remember seeing those children on the TV and going in my bedroom and crying for them. Crying and going, oh, Jesus, you're the only one who can help these kids. Won't you help them? But now, what is it like now when we sit in front of the news? Okay, there's war. And did you watch the news last night? Need I say more? There's wars in probably four countries. There's people like... Um, they have no homes. They're going to refugee camps. Myanmar, they're being slaughtered again. This is second, the second genocide. Do you, you, you must feel fatigued. Do you feel fatigued like I do? And you get this compassion fatigue, like, God, I can't do anything, and then you do nothing because you can't do anything, you know? So it's important to... to just go, God, you are the one who can actually do stuff about this, and I'm going to do what I can. And I believe that God has given me something for you as a church to do. So I'm going to tell you that at the very end. I'll just salt the oats. How much time do I have? Uh, okay. Give me a, like a, a sign. Okay. <laughs> so divine truth. I mean, think about I was looking on the Internet the other day, and I realized there's this guy up in Queensland Alan John Miller, have you heard of him? He's got, well, he's only got about 30 followers now, but he claims to be Jesus. 
Didn't you know that? Yeah, he lives up in Queensland. He claims to be Jesus Christ. And he claims he's got a, a girlfriend now, or now I think they're married. And she, he says she's Mary Magdalene. I mean, really? But people are getting very deluded. We're getting deluded. And this is a sign of the last times, isn't it? What about David Koresh? You know, we all remember him. 79 people, I think it was. 79, 76 people died with him. Um, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flame, I think it was called. A cult where there, all these people died with this guy. They drank poison cordial. I mean, why would you do that? For such a deluded person that's saying that you're going to be beamed up in a UFO. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, people are desperate for a new revelation. But guess what? You know what? The new revelation is going to be a deception. What I'm saying is hold on to your faith. Hold on to what you know about Jesus Christ. And like my year 10 class asked me, does Jesus Christ have a last name? <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Oh, yes, he did. Jesus Christ from Nazareth. Nazareth is his last name, must be. No. So, you know, hold on to what you know because it's really true and it's right. John, 1 John 4, 1 says, beloved, it's to you. It's to you. Don't you see, beloved? That's who you are. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many. Not one or two, not these just one or two guys that say they're Jesus and we know they're kooky. It's many false prophets, many people who will lead you astray. It's not just people, it's principalities and powers who will drag you on and make you think something that is not real. Um, 1 John 2, 18 through 27 says, Little children, in the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and which we know this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been with us, they would have continued with us. This is a real key when people walk away from the church, that they're actually deceived, they actually could be following an Antichrist. They went out from us that they may be man made manifest that none of them were actually of us. Don't be sad if you lose people. I'm, I hate to say that, but don't be sad about it. Because if they're not of you, they'll walk away. And you know what? I'm going to pray for some people at the end of this service because I believe you've really been wounded by that. You've been wounded by losing friends. And I really want to pray for you because I have a heart for you. And I felt that the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to do some healing. Where there's people who've had friends who've walked away and who've walked into great deception. So I'm going to pray for you. And 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, Now the Spirit expressly says in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving those who, uh, to, by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature is good, and nothing is to be refused if it's re received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I love that. It's so easy to sanctify something. You ever knew that old-fashioned word, to sanctify it? A glorified God. Every time you pray over your food, you sanctify it. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets have arised. They will show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect. 
So be careful. Don't you see how important this is? Be careful. This is why we need to talk to each other. Don't let people get in isolation. Don't let your friends be in isolation with their computers and the internet. Talk to each other about this stuff. Talk to them about how to defend the faith. Talk to each other about what's right and wrong. You know, just you've got to get in each other's face and start bringing each other, pulling each other back to the truth. The truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. He is a person. It, there's another parable about Moses and John 17, 19, and I'll just summarize this as well. It says, Jesus, again, was referring to Moses because that's what the Pharisees knew. You know the law. Uh, Moses gave you the law, yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? And the people answered him and said, you have a demon. They said that to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> That's his last name. They said, you have a demon. Can you imagine that? Have you ever thought somebody's off their knocker saying something weird? And you're like, they're probably possessed. They must have demons all over them, running in and out of them. <laughs> it just is not the case. Look at this. They were calling Jesus Christ. They said he had a demon. And Jesus says, I don't have a demon. He said, I did one work, and, and, and you marvel. Moses gave you circumcision. That wasn't from him. That was from the fathers. You circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses should not be broken. Are you angry with me because I healed somebody? Because the law even said you should help somebody. The law said do good on the Sabbath. That's what it was for. And so here, they're, they're, getting, they're so blinded by their own lie and their own deception, thinking they know so much, that they said they accused Jesus Christ of having a demon. He was the son of God. He didn't have a demon. Crazy people. <laughs> so I'm just showing you this to show how easy it is to be deceived. I always think if I put myself back in there, would I have been one of those people? You know? And then he starts crying. This is what made Jesus Christ cry out. It says he cried out and he said, you know, you might, you don't know where I'm from. I'm from my father and my father sent me because they were saying, we know who he's from. We know his mom and his dad. He couldn't be the Christ. The Christ, nobody knows where. And in fact, their deception led them to this place where they actually got violent and wanted to kill him. So that deception of a religious spirit is really evil and it will cause you to be one first deceived by your own lie and then it will incite violence in your soul i don't know if you read facebook sometimes people they get so violent on there really violent with their words and it's crazy it's lunacy but i look at jesus christ he just i love what he did he just no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. <laughs> they wanted to kill him, but no one could touch him. And I want to say to you, God's got your hour. And if you stay true in the faith, and if you test every spirit, you're going to be able to walk through the greatest amount of fire. You're going to be able to walk through persecution. You're going to be able to walk through anything like Jesus Christ did, and no one will lay a hand on you until your time has come. Because you are his beloved. 
So I'm saying to you, stir up your soul. Stir up a hunger in your soul. I was so hungry for God last night. I stayed up until 3 o'clock in the morning because he was just there. It was so good. Isn't he good just to be with him? Like he is our great reward. We're going to get rewards in heaven, but he is. Just like he said to Abraham, I am your great and exceeding reward. It's just awesome. I'm going to give you, finish with this. Seven quick ways to know how to test the spirits. And this, if you're taking notes, will be the note-taking takeaway. (laughs) It's not rocket science, okay, people? It's all simple. All right, here you go. Anything that draws me away from Jesus. If I think, oh, um, you know, so-and-so or that thing says that I need rest instead of uh, going to church, guess what? Anything that draws me away from Jesus and his people, that's false. That's wrong. No, I don't need that. I need to come be with Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. Anything that makes my thoughts turn away from relationship. Anything that tells you that you should just be on your own and be isolated, that draws you away from the body of Christ, is a deception. Anything that does not submit to Jesus being Lord... Or saying that he's come in the flesh and that he rose from the dead. That's an easy one to remember, isn't it? Anyone, anything that doesn't agree with the word of God. Anything that puts love and self and the love of money and the lust of the flesh before following Jesus. Anything that doesn't lead to full surrender and submission to Jesus. Anything that elevates, this is a good one for our culture, anything that elevates the knowledge over obedience. Knowledge over obedience. Guess what? It doesn't know how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you know. It matters how much you obey. How much are you obeying? How much are you doing what he tells you every single day? That's what matters. And anything that's not morally right, according to the scriptures. If you can, if you can think of these things, this is going to keep you from being deceived. It's going to keep you till the end because we need to make it to the end, don't we? That's the goal, to make it to the end, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us, who's provided a way for us to have eternal life. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another No matter if it's in a big group or a small group, it doesn't matter, people. We will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. If we we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we've been teaching people at our prayer meeting how to repent. People don't know how to repent. They don't know how to confess sin. They think it's been, and this is a deception, that it's a private thing. Not a private thing confessing sin it says confess your sin one to another pray for each other and you'll be healed and guess what since we started doing this people are getting free they're getting so free and they're coming we're spending all this time in confession that was supposed to be a quick part and then we get on to the intercession (laughs) we're getting stuck in confession times you know because we don't have this in our our evangelical churches we don't have this formal way to confess sin do we we just kind of have this loose 
thing of confessing sins, but we need to confess out loud to each other what our sins are. Now there's certain appropriate people that might be better to confess different things to, okay? <laughs> um, you know that. But confess your sins. Live in an attitude of repentance. You're going to have a free heart. You're going to have a free heart. It's so awesome. If we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. We don't want to be deceived, do we? You know, I, I'll end with this story. I was in YWAM years ago, and you know how it is. Love to have the prophetic voice come around. And this girl, she's a prophetess, and she was praying over one of our teams. We were tired. We just came back from a long ministry outreach. And she's a, a minstrel, you know, one that plays a guitar and sings songs of the Lord. Really cool ministry. It's not very, uh, it's pretty unique these days. Anyways, I'm, I'm like so excited. I'm sitting there, yes, I'm going to get a word from the Lord. There's only about like six of us in the room, so I knew this is really cool. We're all going to get words. We're praying over each other. Everything's happening. You know, there's just this buzz in the room. And then she starts, broom, 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 and she brings her guitar over to me, whatever. And she starts singing over me, you know, Oh, your heart is like stone. And I'm like, oh, what the? This is not very nice. Like, you need to let God refresh you. Your arrogance and pride has taken you this far. And the song just went on and on about how proud I was, how my heart was like stone. And I'm like, I'm getting mad. You ever get mad when you get a prophetic word? It's like, I was so mad. I was like, I don't believe this. I've just been serving you, Lord. And I'm having this conversation with the Lord. And she's still prophesying. She just went on and on. And I'm like, stop singing. <laughs> it just made me mad. <laughs> and so I, I, went up, I went outside for a walk after that. And I thought, I'm just going to walk out. And we were out kind of in this, like, it's sort of like they had some, paddocks around the place. So I walk to the end of the road. I'm like, Lord, okay, if I am what this prophet said, then can you reveal it to me? Because I don't feel that way. I've been serving you, Lord, and I was having a good poo-hoo. You ever have a good poo-hoo? It's great. It feels really good. You're feeling sorry for yourself. You know, you just want to rip it all out there and woe is me. And I get to the end of the street and there's this llama, right? I'm like, oh, cute llama. You know, I'll come over and I'll pet you. And I'm trying to get him to come over. And he comes over, this big llama head, up about this tall above me. And he's, like, looking down. I'm like, you're so cute. And I'm, like, reaching out to touch him, you know. And he just spits all over me. All this putrid, putrid green spit all over me. And I'm like, you are not a cute llama. <laughs> I was so angry. And you know what? God just spoke to me. And I started laughing. And I don't know what happened. I can tell you, just the Holy Spirit, I guess it was Holy Spirit spit, out of that, <laughs> that green stuff. It just melted my heart for some reason. And the Lord said, yes, you are. Yes, you are, my dear. Your heart. And your heart has grown proud. And he said, I want you just to humble yourself. That's all. Let me make your heart. Put your heart back in my hands. And let me soften your heart. Let me make it beat again. Let me make it beat again. And he did in an instant. And I don't know what that llama had to do with anything that the Lord spoke to me. Nothing. But it just broke through. It broke through my pride, I guess. It broke through my pride because I had been believing a lie about myself. And my heart was risen up in pride. And it's so easy to do. 
it's really easy to do. And um, I just want to exhort you today. James 5, it says, it says all these things. And it says, in a summary, be patient, establish your heart, don't grumble against one another. It's really important. Endure, don't swear, pray, sing psalms, be anointed with oil when you're sick, confess your sins, repent, give forgiveness and receive it. Isn't that beautiful? Give forgiveness and receive it. This is just my summary of that chapter. Pray twice. It says pray. And then here's, here's what I feel like the Lord has a special anointing on this church for. A special anointing on you guys to do what it says in James 5.19. If any of you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You, as believers, will have a special anointing on you, and I'm going to pray this for you, that you will have an anointing to turn people back from error. And I want to commission you today that as you go out, as your prayer team goes out, and as you go out to speak to your friends, that you are going to take these words and that you are going to begin to turn people back who have turned away from the truth. You're going to pull them back into the light. And you're going to say, no, but this is what's true. And you're going to save a sinner. You're going to save them from hell. You're going to save an erring one. This is a special anointing on you as a people. Can we just stand together? And I do want to pray. And if you want prayer for some of the stuff that I mentioned that I felt like the Lord was saying just prophetically, um, yeah, sure. I mean, if they want to, they can. Come on. Um, you know, God is saying, you're his beloved. Don't you forget it. God was saying he doesn't want you to feel exposed. If you feel exposed, God wants to cover you. He wants you to feel like you're covered. He wants you to know that you're covered. You're covered. Our sin needs to be exposed, but our hearts need to be protected. Isn't that right? And God will protect your heart. He will protect your heart. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. I just thank you so much for every person in this room, Lord. I thank you for the anointing that's on their life and their soul. Lord, I pray if there's um, places where we've each, Lord, gone into deception or our hearts are hard or we have just gotten off track, Lord, I pray that you'd pull us back to you. Jesus, we want to make it to the end. We want to make it to the end. And we want to turn others back to you. We want to cover a multitude of sins. That's what, you know what, that's what the Bible says. It talks about covering sin. When you turn a sinner back, you're actually covering sin. You're actually making a safe space for them. You know, God, God is safe, especially for those who are repenting. He, he's not safe for those who walk away from him. Because he's the one. The Bible says, fear the one who can put your soul in hell. Don't fear the one who can just take away from you your body fear the one who can do your body and soul in hell fear him 
We have no fear of God in our culture. But you know what? God wants to make you be the one who turns somebody back from their erring ways. You've got this gifting. You've got this anointing on you as people. Thank you, God. I just pray for that right now. I pray for a breakthrough. I pray that this time next year, and I prophesy this time next year, that this house will be full of people who have been turned back from their erring ways, and they've come back to the truth of who you are, that, Jesus, you are truth, and they have come back to you because you have made a way um, uh, for us to have salvation for eternity, God. And I release your anointing for that right now in this place, God. And I pray that you would raise up those who pray, raise up those who speak, raise up those who touch with their hands and who do practical things in every single way, God. I pray that this church will be able to draw those back to you who've walked into error. Even those who are deceived, who have never heard your name, God. There's people in our country right now who have never heard your name. And I just pray release from that. I pray that your word will go out and they will hear the words of a living God. A living God. Thank you, God. Lord, help us where we're weak. Help us where we're weak, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you if you haven't been close to Christ for a long time and you want to come back to him, I want you to come. If you have friends that's walked away and you feel damaged, I want you to come. I'll pray for you. We'll probably close. I don't know how you guys do it. You close the service and then pray for people or, or just pray now. Okay. So if you want prayer, come. If you need a word from God, you just come. I'll just pray over you. God will speak to you. God will speak of your life. He'll release something that will set you free this morning. He will. Because guess what? You are his beloved. You, you are his beloved. He loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. If you want me to pray for that anointing on you, I will pray that that anointing to break the yoke off of people who are in deception will come. If you're someone who's prone to being deceived, I want you to come. I want to pray strength into your soul. And, you know, your pastors will be here praying as well. 